0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello,
1: Caviar Dreamers. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Buputo. And every week we are bringing you entrepreneur real stories from leaders, disruptors, change makers, and risk takers.
2: We may not be serious, but we seriously mean business. Hello, Caviar Dreamers. Hello, Caviar Dreamers. We are here and we are here with... A new fabulous friend of ours, Susan Peterson. Hello. I'm Hi, so,
1: girl. I'm so excited that we're here with Susan Peterson. I just met Susan at an event that we did for my amazing alarm company, Vivint. And Susan was like the bonus. And she's this amazing
2: entrepreneur. Amazing right? is not even the word. Incredible story. Comebacks, setbacks. It's fascinating fascinating to us and you like the march started your company at a kitchen table yes i
3: did basically yes.
2: without any money
3: no money no, no money my husband just, was in school
1: yeah yeah and this is just so crazy and i just want everyone to, to say the name of your company it's called freshly picked freshly picked which i lo- which everybody has seen every celebrity's child wears
3: it it's a baby moccasins, baby moccasins diaper bags diaper, sleep stuff. yes
1: it's all things for your babies very chic fun amazing I mean, I was about to call her Kim Jenner. Okay, Kim Kim Kardashian, Kardashian. (laughs) Kim Kardashian's kids where every
3: celebrity has won this. Yes, yes. We we've been very fortunate with our celebrity relationships. Yeah, I know.
1: I mean, it's absolutely crazy. So I just want to say it was like when I met you, I was like immediately drawn to you. And Noel, our mutual friend, yes, I introduced us. And she was just like, basically, when she met you, she was like, oh my God, Susan, she's, she's unbelievable. She had nothing. She was like getting scrap metal to start her business. So can we just discuss this because
3: it's so inspirational? Okay. Yeah. So when I started Freshly Picked, my husband was in college and, you know, that was, let's see, Hattie's 16 now. So it was like 14 years ago when my son was born and I wanted to stay home with the kids and we were in college. So we were let off student loans, but every penny counts you're like so tight and i had started just sewing stuff and selling it on etsy and i had a blog and so i had this very like unpopular blog and really unsuccessful etsy shop As you know i was like <laughs> making it work And when my son was born, I made a pair of baby moccasins for him because I just wanted them. And it was my first time sewed leather. I had like gotten a big bag of scrap leather from a lady at a yard sale. It was like the end of the day. And I was like, "Okay, I'll buy this, this and throw in the scrap leather. And she's like, fine, because she don't want to haul it to thrift store, you know. And I made the moccasins, put them on my blog, just thinking, you know, these are for my son. I was nesting, you know, right before you give birth, you're doing everything. And. The response was insane. And when I mean insane, I mean, my mom wasn't the only one commenting, saying, Susan, how do I comment on a blog? (laughs) (laughs) It was like seven people that I didn't know that were like, I would buy these. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yes, that says something. Right. And I'd always told my husband because we were early day of Etsy that I was like, if I could find a product that I feel like people liked, I could really make it work because I had seen all my friends on Etsy find their product, find their niche and just take off. And so I made like 20 pairs, put them on my Etsy shop and they sold out in like 45 minutes. Wow. <gasps> Which at the time, I, was that's, like, I mean, yeah. that's unbelievable. Yeah, it was insane. So I just kept making, putting them in, making, putting them in, spending the money as quickly as it was coming in because, you know, I didn't know anything about business at that time and ran out of my scrap leather. So I went to the leather store thinking it worked like a fabric store where you can get a yard of fabric or cuts of fabric. And the lady told me I had to buy the whole cow and the cow was $200, like a whole hide. Yeah, the whole hide. Yeah. And I was like, I don't have $200. I've been spending it. (laughs) (laughs) So did
1: you know how to charge for your moccasins or whatever?
3: Not really. I mean, I was charging $20. I think I'd already raised the price to $45. But... I was still at the point where I'd get an order and I'd be kind of annoyed because now I had to make the product. That's I know. I know
1: exactly what you're saying.
3: (laughs) Right. But my brother had a window installation business at the time and he would remove old windows, which are aluminum cased and then put in new windows. And I convinced him one month to just give me all his old windows. So I spent the whole month during nap time and after my kids went to bed banging the glass out of the windows so at the end of the month I could take the aluminum to the scrapyard and I made $200.
1: I mean that is amazing that's like ingenious like that you were like I'm not going to borrow from my mother or something I'm, I'm going to do this myself.
3: Well she had already bought me the sewing machine so yeah. I was out of favors. <laughs> yes, with her. yes 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 yes. <laughs> but well, you know what like I think so many times we're like I want I wish I could do this but I don't have the resources and you you actually do you just have to get creative. And that's what I just did, you know? I know. That was so smart. So you did that and then you bought the whole cow. And then from then on, I was able to just save my money, put it back into the business and continually reinvest.
1: Now, at what point did you stop making the moccasins and hire someone else?
3: Probably at like two and a half years in.
1: For two and a half years, you made the moccasins.
3: Yes. In fact, when Kourtney Kardashian got the moccasins first, I had made the pairs that went to her. The Parents magazine editor reached out to me and said, hey, I followed your blog for a while. I've been waiting for the right celebrity to pair you with. It's Kourtney Kardashian. Will you send out mocks for a photo shoot we're doing? She's going to be our cover story for September. And I was like, yeah, you can buy them in the shop. (laughs) <laughs> that is so funny i didn't know how gifting worked at the time yes yes like okay. i'm new and i'm like every dollar counts you know i spent yes. the first wad. i had to reinvest yeah so what'd you say she was like no, no no susan let me walk you through this so she just walked me through gifting so i stayed up all night made like eight pairs of moccasins overnighted them to her she got them she's like they're too small well, I- oh my God. And I was like, she's like, can you send me the next size up? And I was like, yeah, but you're going to have to pay for these ones. <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. I promise it'll be worth it. So I stayed up all night again, made the moccasins, sent them out. And she's like, I promise I'll send them back. Like we're just gonna use them for the photo shoot. And we got the cover. Unbelievable. That's and amazing. was that like did that like ignite everything? Yeah. And she she wrote me after the shoot and she's like, Susan, I'm really sorry. I knew I said I said I'd send them back, but Courtney fell in love with them. She wants them. So I gave them all to her.
1: Okay. That was good. And that's I was great. like,
3: Okay, that seems okay. You know? Yes, yes. And then immediately Courtney was photographed everywhere with Mason wearing the moccasins.
1: I mean, that's a, that's unbelievable. That's an unbelievable story.
3: It was a huge, huge like
1: leg up for me. I know, and then you got sewers.
3: Yes, and then I hired seamstresses. Yes, so I called them sewers. I'm so sorry, it's seamstresses. All right. I called them. yeah, They're or so, stitchers. And, and or... I should know
1: better, considering I was in the garment center. Was and I went to FIT. You One went to place. FIT. The, yeah. Yes.
3: Oh my gosh, you're so lucky.
1: Some people say that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to no, when was I was great. like in my stitching area. When I was stitching. in my st- well, a seamstress. Yeah, no, yeah. seamstress,
1: I'm like the sewer, you know, and that's so not right because when I was in the Garmin Center, we didn't, you know, which is a low life way to say it. And we called them the sewers in the back room, which is not right. They were the seamstresses. Yeah, Beautiful.
2: So how did you learn the business aspect? Because you've grown freshly picked to such a tremendous company now Thank from you. literally like, you know someone teaching you about gifting from an editor perspective like how did you learn to run a business because i think when you're creative that's the hardest thing
3: yeah yeah lots of trial and error and then i've real i'm very aggressive about finding mentors so noel who you guys met yes she yes. was one of my first mentors and she i met her at a trashy book club and by trashy, I don't mean like smutty. I mean, we'd read bad books that really shouldn't have ever been printed. <laughs> like um Tori Spelling's storytelling book was one of our okay. books. All right. <laughs> and it's like, it. just, you know, whatever. How did this get printed? And when she walked in, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this you've met Noelle. Yeah, she's fabulous. Sophisticated. Wonderful, but very understated. Like she doesn't like the spotlight. And so she if you have she either has to seek you out or you have to kind of run into her in order to find her. And I just emailed her the next day and I was like, hey, I think you're cool. Do you want to be friends? And she's like, yeah, come over for lunch. So ever since then, we've been friends. I absolutely love that. So she guided you in your business. Yeah. In fact, so Freshly Picked was taking off. I had my stitchers. I was learning everything. And we. I was like, you know what? We should have a big sell. Why don't we have a sell? We've never had a sell. So I put everything 25% off. And in like a day, we had sold 2,000 pairs of moccasins that oh my gosh. we didn't have leather for. We're not made. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I called Noelle crying because I was so overwhelmed and she listened to me for like 10 minutes and then she's like okay are you done and I was like yeah you know (laughs) and she's like oh boo fucking who Susan it's so hard to be successful what are you gonna do and I was like oh I don't I don't know and so my idea at the time was I was going to give everyone's money back to them No. no
0: that's so funny
3: get my shit together and have and then redo it and she goes Absolutely not. Yeah. that No, was, yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. No, no, no. You and just
1: have to write that, do
3: the demand. You yes. know, it's, it's going to be delayed. Yes. And so that's what she goes. She gave me that advice. And then she goes, you know what you're going to do is you're going to get some sleep. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning. You're going to put your big girl panties on. You're going to figure this shit out. Yeah, that was your yep. big girl
1: panty moment. I'm, I was yes. going to ask you that later, but that's that was your big girl panty moment.
3: Yes, yes. And Noelle is a type of mentor and friend that will never lie to you and will never feel sorry for you. And I feel like at the time I needed that because I think sometimes as women, we, we, we want to spare feelings. So we aren't exactly truthful all the time. Like, no, he's nice. No, you look great. You know? And she just, she would never do that for me. And it was exactly what I needed at the time.
1: I think that's very important. I like that piece of advice. Also, I think we should not blow smoke up people's asses in certain in a lot of situations because
3: it's not helpful. Yeah. I mean, sometimes your friend just had a baby. She's like, how do I look? You look great. You're yes, doing wonderful. That's, that's important. Yeah. That's the time. But to there do is it. times when like candor and like brutal honesty is actually so much more important for that person. I agree. You Listen, I don't want people to go out
1: when they you know, it's an important event and they happen to look like shit. And do I look good? I mean, if it's no time to change it, I say, you look great. You know, I want them to mm-hmm. feel good. But if there's time to change your outfit, you know, that's like, this is patient. You better change. This is an important night. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. Or with business. Yes. You don't want people, you know, to save money or sacrifice mm-hmm. or, you know, costly make
2: costly mistakes.
1: A, yes.
3: You know, costly mistakes. Exactly. You have to tell people. You have right. to be brutally honest. Right. Exactly. So she was amazing. And since then, I've just always sought out mentors that I feel like are a couple steps ahead of me in business. And I am very aggressive about making them my friend and asking for help. Good. I like that. I love that because I think that is the two of the things that
2: women struggle with the most. Mm. Aggressively seeking out friendship. I think women wait for people to be like, oh, come over and asking for help. Yeah. I think women are afraid to be judged because I think of like the patriarchal society where you're like, if you're a woman in business, you better not ask for help because you don't want to seem weak. You don't want to seem like you don't know what you're doing, but it's actually so powerful to ask for help.
3: Yeah. And people want to help. Most they people do. want, like most people are good and they want to be helpful. It's true. Now, do you seek out women and men? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, good. Me too. Yeah.
3: Well, I like that. Yeah. I love my male friends that are in the business world. I think honestly, it's my favorite part about being married is having these platonic relationships with men. And when you're single, it's harder to have platonic relationships with men. But when you're married, I've I have great friendships with some of my male mentors. And now I mentor men and women as well.
1: Oh, I love that because I'm going to if you're not busy right after this, I'm going to make you come to lunch with us. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have to go meet not only us, our our friend who's been on the podcast. Yes. She needs some advice. And I think, you know, you're the brutally honest. I, I would love do it. it yes okay, it's right glamorous lunch okay
2: <laughs> at what point in your business did you do Shark tank because i know you did
3: Shark tank it was about four years in and was that helpful Oh my gosh, amazing. Well, at the time, so my episode had seven and a half million people watch. Wow. Wow. Which Shark Tank, like you just can't get that kind of viewership now. No. 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 Because that
1: was in the you know, that was like in the beginning of Shark Tank. Yes. Like it wasn't have like yeah, so it wasn't diluted. It was a thing. People I were was obsessed. season five. Season five. And so what did the shark say? Because I'm sorry, I didn't watch that.
3: Oh no, it's fine. It was so long ago now, people are like, What what was it like? And I'm like, I don't I have no idea. I know reality television and is traumatic. It's traumatic. It's traumatic. It is traumatic from top to bottom, the whole thing. But the sharks, I got a really good edit and they honestly, the sharks are the nicest people ever in there. Mr. Wonderful. The only way you lose Shark Tank is if you do not do your homework. And it's so easy. They ask the same seven questions to every person. So I watched every single episode. I wrote down every single question that they asked. On a on like a little three by five card and on the back of it, I would put my answer. So every time for like a month, I would be hanging out with someone. I'm like, ask me these questions. So they would just go through the questions and ask me. I knew my business top to front or front to back. (laughs) The same thing. (laughs) Uh, I just pulled one of those anyway. And I just went on really prepared and they loved me. But in my research, I was like, Mr. Wonderful is actually really cool. Like I developed a crush on Mr. Wonder. Wow! He well, beca- that's the
1: first time I heard that. He yes. became
3: one of my celebrity fruities. The other one is Bill Murray. Which, uh, anyway, People lo- oh, I
1: don't want to say anything. I'm not going to. Bill Murray and I um, used to use the, th- the same therapist. <gasps> not not my therapist now, Tamar Martin, but we had another therapist that Did he used ever to go meet to. Him? I've seen. You know, he owns restaurants in Charleston. He's a big Charleston guy, and I used to see him in Charleston because my son lived in Charleston <sighs> at one point. It's hard to see people living your dreams <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah I, and I, I had no idea about this
1: bill murray and
2: you situation
1: and yes I feel like yes i know i've crossed paths a few times in the therapist office
3: is he charming in person both i imagine he's just magnetic
1: very very quiet really? very head down i
3: wonder if he's a tortured soul i could really, tortured. Oh, totally yeah. a
1: tortured soul i could Total, really totally just, a tortured
2: soul did he go over his time limits in therapy were you waiting for him to come out a lot no, he was waiting for me, <laughs> <laughs> who probably goes over her time
1: limits, who definitely- Of course you did. Goes over my time limits.
3: So wait, did a shark invest in your business? So Damon, we- Damon. Yeah, on the show. And then post-show, the deal fell apart, which happens very often. Yes. It does. It yes. does. Yeah. But it was great. There's no, There was no publicity at the time like Shark Tank. That is unbelievable.
1: So I just want everyone to- so then you built up your business to b- very large and someone
3: bought in. Yeah, so I have incredible investors. They're called Sidler Equity Partners and they came in and bought 60% of my business. And so today together with them we run the business.
1: Which was great. So you cashed out a, a huge amount. We're not going to say, mm-hmm, but it was mm-hmm. a tremendous amount, life-changing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I grew up my dad's a school teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She would do odd jobs here and there. That's where I learned to work was for my mom because she never stopped working. She was either cleaning the house or like delivering pizza or making bread for the neighbors or something, you know? So no one in my family has ever made a ton of money. My parents owned a home, but my my grandparents didn't for a long time. My grandpa drove a school bus. My grandma was a school teacher. Like everyone was kind of just doing their best. And we were the first millionaires in our family. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. Thank you. That is so... It was really fun. I paid off my parents' house. We paid off my husband's parents' house. Isn't that, wasn't that That's so, so nice. fantastic? You yes,
1: like, it feels so good. It does. And your husband must be so proud of you and your kids are so proud of you.
3: Well, you know, kids are never
1: impressed, but yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, like, I like to say that also because my kids are always like, okay, so what's next? You right. did this, you did right. that. All right. That, you know, they expected of me at this point. Right. Well, well, yeah. So big, you know, you're the only one of your friends that work is So big, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? Right. Yeah. Don't You
3: always feel that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But then something happened, which when you told me this, I think I was physically ill. I went, you know, I, Joe and I were talking about, I go, Joe, I mean, Susan told me this story because Noel brought it up. Was it your controller?
3: Yes. Yes. So he
1: did something. Yeah. He stole. Horrible.
3: He he had a gambling addiction and, or he has a gambling addiction. And uh, he uh, was able to steal a lot like most of the money from the business and then a large portion of the money that we had t- taken off the table.
1: That you have taken off the table. So all the money that you worked so hard for, that you acquired the money taken off the table, that, you know, that you cashed out, made you guys multimillionaires, this man gambled away.
3: Yeah. So we, yes. And we were building (sighs) this beautiful home at the time, which it was. Our our kitchen was on the cover of House Beautiful like a year and a half later and everyone's like, good job, good job. But meanwhile, I'm in the back, you know, you're in the background trying to keep things together. Like it's a beautiful home, this dream home, which now I realize there's no such thing as a dream home. You live where you live and you make it what you yes. make it, you know, but growing up poor and then kind of having that as one of my aspirations, I was like, I'm going to build this dream home. So I'm sitting there. I would go. I'm good friends with the builder. And I'd go every day because I just I'm so curious about the building process. And and I love to see it done. And he the builder would be like, you're the only one who comes and just watches. You don't try to tell me how to do my job. I'm like, I don't know how to do your job, (laughs) (laughs) but it's so interesting. And I was sitting there and one of my board members called me and he's like, Susan, this is the worst news I've ever had to give anyone. But Ugh. he knew the guy and he's like, he's been stealing from you because he finally like the walls were closing in. The money was running out. And so he called this my board member and, it, and confessed to him. And my board member called me and he's like, you know, all the money in the business is gone and a lot of your money is gone. And gamblers never know how much they're, you know, any addiction. They never know how much they've actually taken. And he thought he had taken one amount, but it was significantly bigger. And I remember just staring at this hole in the ground, like, what the heck am I going to do? Because you had to pay the builders. Because you, yeah, you're in, like, you know, if you built a house, like, it is. You are bleeding. I, hemorrhaging. Believe money. me.
1: Believe me. I live in this old house. I'm hemorrhaging money.
3: Hemorrhaging I'm, 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 I'm money.
1: Finish your house. I was like, because I'm finishing everybody else's.
3: Right. No, you're yeah. hemorrhaging yeah. money. So I was like, OK, so I drove to the office just kind. I don't even know how I got there. Could have gotten in an accident because I was just like shocked. Of course. And call my investors because we were only six months into our relationship at the time oh uh, I mean we had been talking for two years prior the Seidel's Seidler's yeah Seidler's and I there's a TikTok where a girl drives her dad's brand new Tesla into a Starbucks and she has to call him and be like dad I drove your Tesla into a Starbucks and that's how I felt I felt like they had given me this beautiful life, gift, gift and life yes. And, yes. and
1: invested in you because yes. you're so amazing but you are so amazing and talented yes. they believed in you thank
3: you and So I called them and they were incredible. Like they're like, okay, we will be on the plane tonight. They were out there that evening, but I had to go. They're like, you actually have to go and report this because there's insurance claims and all these things. So I have this fiduciary duty to my investors and it was Heartbreaking. This kid was one of my really good friends at the time. So I go to the police station. Cause what do you do when someone steals millions of dollars from you? Yeah. Oh God. I, I had no idea. I don't
1: know. I mean, I'd probably run them yeah. over with the car. Although
3: well, yeah. I, I had visions of that. But I go to the police station and I stand in line, you know, behind the glass counter. Cause I don't uh, Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. And then the lady on the microphone's like, What do you want? And I'm like, someone stole some money from me. And she's like, Okay, wait over there. So a detective came out and talked to me and he's like I'm like, I don't know. It's over a million dollars. And he's like, well, we don't do that. Um, You have to go to the FBI. And I was like, wait, who does it? So I go to the FBI and which I didn't know they had one in my small town. And <laughs> yeah. wow. who would, know? Who, who would, would know? know who would know? what to find the FBI? Yes, right. Just Google and it? they were like, mm, we're not really doing embezzlement cases right now. We're more worried about child trafficking or something like that. And he's like, you should go to the UBI, which is a Utah Bureau of Investigators. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who even knew that? Yeah, right? who knew there's a yeah. UBI? I didn't know what this is. Right. So I go there and there's this sheriff rich with cowboy boots with spurs on and a cowboy hat. And I was like, I think I found my guy. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. yes. And I sat down with him and he's like, we do this all the time. He took down my statement and he's like, we can charge him. We can do this. But it was shocking to me that the police couldn't charge him. Like if if he would have stolen candy bar from 7-Eleven, he would have been in jail already. But because it was a white collar crime, the police couldn't do anything about it. And the FBI got to decide whether or not they did it and then it, it was just like shocking that white collar crime just really goes unpunished a lot and wow. this was
2: and especially because like people see white collar crime as crime on a corporation yes but that but behind that corporation
3: is a person a, is a, a person people. Yes. A building a house yes, yes. building a house <laughs> and looking a at a hole and in doing the ground all yes. so what happened then well, when we found out, we had $30,000 in the bank account at Freshly Picked. And, and you normally had tons. Tons. Well, we had brought in like, I don't know, there was millions of dollars on our balance sheet and I had payroll due in a week. And so I actually had no time to break down. Like that whole day I was doing all this stuff. I went home and I remember I just sat in my driveway and I was finally able to cry then like after 10 hours, you know? And my sister came up to the door and I told her what happened and she was just, like, it was shocking to the point where you'd wake up and you were like, what just, like, shocking yes. trauma. Like your own, like a movie of your right. own life. Yes, right. Yes. And the first thing the sidlers told me is they're like, you can quit. If you wanna be done, that's fine. Because to them, like, you know, they have billions of dollars under management. This was, it could be a rounding error for them. And they were like, you can quit if you want. And I really that night took a lot of time to think about it. And I was like, I'm not a quitter. I no. think I think I can do this. So I just got up the next day and I was like managing our personal finances and then managing the business finances. And it was like, OK, what can we do to make enough money for payroll? Cool. Done. And the Sidlers and I, I had to put a bunch of my money back into the business. We did what's called the bridge loan and just got to work. I mean, it was for about three years. I would say at first it was like every day finding something that had been messed up and then it was every week and then every month and then every quarter but it took about three years to like untangle the mess. Wow and how did you and you wound up paying for the house? Oh gosh it was wild but yeah wound up paying for it. Yeah I figured it out. So stressful. I mean I would I felt like that level of Dante's Inferno where you push the rock up the hill every night and then you go to sleep and the rocks at the bottom of the hill and you or you push it up every day and then you go to sleep like it just felt like again and again and again.
1: This is a story of like resilience of no other because you really build something. But the, the other part of the story that I want everyone to hear, which also shocked me, is that you forgave this man and you still have a relationship with him. Somewhat of a relationship. Yeah.
3: So it was so important to me. I've known a lot of women who their story is, I would have blank, but this happened to me when I was younger. And I I forgave him for me, first and foremost, because I didn't want to carry that with me. And it just, it's too much. And it took a long time. It was a lot of prayer, a lot of like meditating, a lot of stuff. And every time something came up for the business or for a house that like was a mess from the fraud i was like oh i thought i was through this you know so it took a really long time to forgive him but he was in jail in 2019 i got a letter from him and we hadn't talked like we hadn't talked during the trial we hadn't talked at all and it felt like i think step seven where you make amends Mm -hmm. and it was like here's what i know i did here's how i know it affected you I'm sorry. You know, I'll work the rest of my life. And I had already forgiven him at that time. I had been driving home about six months previously in the morning. And I, you know, you kind of pick at your old wounds a little bit. And yes. I, I'd i pick at it and it felt gone. And I told my husband, I was like, it's gone. Like, I've forgiven him. Like, I feel like we can move on with our, I, I feel like I can move on with my life. So when I got that, it felt good. But I was like, oh, well, I've already forgiven him. And it just it felt good, but I didn't feel like it was necessary. And then I just kind of sat on it and prayed. Like I'm a big prayer. And what is, what is your background? What's my religion? I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. And I was praying and in February, so I got the letter in December, in February, the next year, I woke up. And just at like three in the morning. And it was like, you have to write him back right now. And how it would work is he would send me a letter and I could send him an uh, email. I couldn't send him an email. So I had had this email kind of drafted in my head and I just wrote it out real quick, which was like, hey, I forgive you. You know, like, I think you're a good person. I really do. I think he's a good person who made mistakes that got out of control and compounded. And he, he just got to be way too big for him. And wrote him all this stuff and then, you know, just went about my day. And about a month later, I got an email back or a letter back from him. And he was like, listen, you'll never know. But I got your email. And then I got divorce papers from my wife on the same day. And so it was like this beautiful time that we had where he was in jail. And so he wasn't paying restitution yet. He wasn't having to do he wasn't having to figure out his life outside of jail where we kind of it's so rare that you're on that side of forgiveness. I feel like you're usually asking for forgiveness. Yes. Mm. And to be on that side of it was just one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. It's sacred to me, actually. Wow.
1: I mean, you're, that's impressive. You're such a good person. Incredibly impressive. That's very, so so nice. very impressive. Very, very impressive. You do it for you, though. I agree. I agree. Forgiveness. I've said that a lot, too. I do a lot of forgiveness and it's about
3: it is a it's a selfish act at the end of the it day. It is, it is. But it pays dividends, unreal.
1: I agree. Yeah, but I mean that would be a tough one for me. But I, I'm learning from you, know you. What, and though, I think I'm te- you're teaching me a lot. That this is yeah. very good.
3: At the moment, it happened. The money still means nothing to me. I know how to make money, so I'm not worried about ever making money. Like I, I, I tease my husband this whole time. I'm like. We should move here. I would love to drive the subway. I think it would be so fun. <laughs> I would love to drive. I, I don't know. I haven't
1: ridden this subway in a very long time.
3: Uh, I would love to drive it. Like I could drive make, the subway. Drive, yeah. drive it. I'm fascinated by these train drivers. It looks so fun. I could make money doing anything. I could move to the top of any organization. Like I am not afraid of that. Once you know how to do it, it's not hard. No, I agree. I agree. And so the money was never an issue for me. The bigger part for me was like the betrayal and feeling that's what like it is. Yeah. Trust. Betrayal. Yeah. But I had a wonderful therapist who specialized in betrayal trauma. And I told him my first my first session, I was like, I, I want to forgive him and I want to move past this. And he's like, and I was like, and I want to be someone who trusts. Like, I don't want to lose that about myself. I really like that. I'm a trusting person. And he's like, OK, sounds good. And so we just got to work on those things.
2: I'm like mesmerized by this whole story because I feel like that, like you cracked a code that holds people back their
3: entire life. I think
1: yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's the, tr- it's the trust. I feel like I've been betrayed a lot and I feel like I'm still a trusting person. Yes, very. Yeah.
3: yeah, I mean, you get a little wiser with each one, you know, but I love being a trusting. Don't you love being a trusting person? I do person? love being
1: a tr- I like seeing the good in people. I am a trusting person. I mean, I've been burned a lot of times. Not like that to that level
3: you know what though it doesn't it's it's the same betrayal is betrayal it doesn't matter if there's money attached to it or if there's like 20 years of friendship there
1: is there is i've had betrayal yeah. Is yeah. betrayal. Exactly.
3: yeah it's the same it's true
1: it's yeah. absolutely you're absolutely right i agree i agree with you so now tell me so freshly picked Totally picked itself up by the bootstraps.
3: Yeah. We, doing unbelievable. Yeah, worked worked our butts off, repaid the bridge loan, which was just such a relief for me. And I hired a CEO in January. And so I'm totally out of the day to day. And it's wonderful. Do you still do the design? No, no, nothing. No, none of it. It's so nice. Isn't that great? Yeah. When we paid off the bridge loan, I had a full nervous breakdown, which I've never experienced in my life to the point where... I like lost touch with reality and it was really scary. And I got into my therapist, and my doctor, and I got on antidepressant, which was really helpful for me. And my therapist said, I think that you worked so hard over the past four years and you didn't give your body a chance to deal with the trauma that now it's dealing with the trauma. That's understandable. Yeah. And I took about six months off and that was actually really good for the transition of hiring a CEO because when I came back, I was like, okay, I think that I can let go of this. I think I, I, I got it to the point where I didn't quit. It's going to move on. It's going to be a legacy brand, which I've always wanted it to be. And I can go do other things. I just need to let go.
1: So what what's next for Susan Peterson? I
3: don't know. You know, when you're nine months pregnant and someone asks you if you're going to have another baby. Yes. And you're like, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I started a podcast, which has been amazing. My kids are late teens. Hattie's 16. She's a senior. And Gus is 14. And I'm just holding on to these last couple of years with them living in my house like it's my oxygen and I've just been really enjoying spending time with them and you know I really feel like I build what I need to build and I end up where I need to end up I don't believe in coincidences I think that life is beautiful and things happen and fall into place and the universe has your back or God blesses you however you want to think about it and I just know that something big is coming I don't know what it is it'll be fun
1: Okay, wow. What a great adjutant. I think this is so great coming off of a lot of the conversations Lexi and I always have. What would you tell your younger self?
3: Oh my goodness. Like what age? <laughs> I know, whatever. So
1: the, the little Susan. The little Susan. Oh. Watching your mother bake bread. And, oh. You know, when you were a little girl. And... Oh my gosh. You try to get
3: people to cry, don't you? Marge? No, 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 no.
1: No, I could cry listening to your story.
3: Um, for her, I would tell her you're not too much and your love is beautiful. Oh yeah. For my 16 year old self, I'd tell her show your boobs to more people. It's not that big of a deal. These are <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I like that uh, for my 20 year old self. I'd be like, don't worry. Tw- just have fun in your twenties. You figure it out in your thirties. And for my 30 year old self, I'd say you're doing such a good job. Oh, I,
1: that's such, that's such great advice. That's beautiful things. That's beautiful things to hear about your life. You know, we, everybody who comes on the podcast, we ask them, well, I know your big girl panty moment, so you don't have to answer that one. But I always say my success is 50% delusion, 50% determination. Oh,
3: 100% Marge. Yes,
1: that's what, that's what <laughs> yeah. I say. Because, you know, if I didn't believe my own hype, who would, yes. you know, if I didn't yes. get through? What, what, do you, what are your percentages? Do you believe your success is?
3: I mean, I feel like almost everything good, I have fallen ass backwards into. Like, tripped. And there it is. I think... My ability to not give up is a lot of my success. I think people are so worried about killing your business. You think it's precious. You think it's really fragile. Businesses are really robust, and it is hard to kill a business. My friend Nate Quigley, one of my other amazing mentors, he's like, there's two rules in business. Number one, don't quit. Number two, don't run out of money. And uh, two, yeah, yes. And two A is if you run out of money, see rule number one, don't quit. Just not quitting, waking up every day and saying, I'm not going to quit on this today. It's 90% of the battle.
2: I I agree.
1: Yeah.
3: We ask everyone also
2: who comes on, what's your most real entrepreneur, real advice?
3: Just to do not worry about what anyone else is doing around you. Entrepreneurs, the reason we do it is because it doesn't look like anything else. There is not a path to follow. It is in you. And a lot of times what you're doing is like motherhood. It doesn't feel like it fits a script. If it looks crazy from the outside, you might be doing it right. Okay. I I love that. that That's,
1: that's very important and poignant because I, I agree with that because sometimes I'm just like, you know, we've never run a beverage company. We've never done this. And I'm just yeah. like, well, everyone's like, well, do this, do this. And I'm just like, well, I don't know. That doesn't feel right to me. Don't you yeah. ever feel that way? Yes.
3: One? Yes. And sometimes I'm like, you and i not a know-it-all. Because yes. it doesn't come with a handbook. Don't you guys feel like it's so much like motherhood? Because you're like, people will be like, do this, do this. And you're like, no, no, no. I know what's yeah. best for my kid. Exactly. It's so true. And you get guilted sometimes yes. and
2: shamed into doing things that you think are a good idea. Uh-huh. But you know in your gut that they're not, and yes. that's in business and with babies. Yes, it's, yes, it's so true. Well. This
1: has been so great. I love having you here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I think everyone is going to die over this episode. They're going to just absolutely love it. And people are going to be obsessed with you. Tell everybody where they could find you.
3: Okay. So Freshly Picked is at Freshly Picked on Instagram. I am susan.m.peterson on Instagram. And you can go to freshlypicked.com too. And what's your podcast? podcast. Tell them your podcast. Oh, my
1: podcast is called Started from the Bottom. Started from the Bottom. I love that. I can't wait to listen to your podcast too. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, girls. Thank you. thank you
2: thanks for listening and if you love the podcast don't forget to leave us a five star review at apple podcasts follow me at the real margaret josephs and me at the life of mrs b and the podcast at caviar dreams tuna fish budget tune in every wednesday for new episodes
1: keep Keep dreaming caviar Caviar Dreamers. dreamers